Leaving or losing a job can be scary. Let's talk about what happens after the layoff right after this. Welcome to the Black Girl Bravado podcast, your weekly fix for all things mental health and wellness. I'm Brittany, the joke-cracking, detail-oriented friend who is always down the road when you need her. For the legal stuff, though, not the illegal stuff. And I'm Germany, the loyal friend who keeps you laughing. I'm a ray of sunshine, and you can always find me on the dance floor. And not only are we besties, but we're your besties. You heard me right. It's homegirl vibes here. Get ready for the girls to dish the real, the raw, and the fucking funny. And listen, we may drag you, but it's always in love. Let's start the show, cuties. Hey, y'all, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back, y'all. How are you doing today? I'm really well. Okay, good. How are you? I'm feeling good. We're here. We're in April. We told y'all we were in a goodie bag and Mm -hmm. I'm feeling goody. Love a goodie bag. I'm feeling goody in my goodie bag. I don't think I'll ever forget when we said, oh, we're doing a goodie bag um, series, (laughs) episode of goodie bag, goodie bag, whatever. And the listener was like, where the goodies that y'all yeah, said? What'd she, she say? Said, where can I purchase the goodies or something? She had hit us up. She was like, um, where where can I find the goodies that you all mentioned? <laughs> I'm like, girl, on the platform where you, the goodie was the episode. You downloaded it. <laughs> the goodie is the episode, honey. We don't got no bag. It's just not a series. So if you ever hear us reference the episodes as a goodie bag, it just means that we're not doing a series. Y'all. Exactly. Just uh, pull something out and it's all going to be good and delicious. That part. So funny. That's what the goodie bag is over here. What I love about the goodie bag episodes is they're usually a lot of the times focused on what's currently happening. Yes. We like take a moment to say what's actually happening right now. Mm-hmm. And what's happening right now are a lot of layoffs. We talked about the looming recession. We talked about the economy. We talked about inflation. We've talked about it all. And these layoffs are real. They're happening at an alarming rate. Google cut 12,000 jobs. Meta recently let go of 10,000 employees. 18,000 folks were fired at Amazon. And that's not even the half of it. There's just layoffs happening all across the board. And thinking about being laid off is scary. But the reality is that 40% of Americans have been laid off or terminated from a job at least once. I'm in there. I'm in that number. (laughs) I'm in that number too. Mm -hmm. And because of that, 48% of Americans have layoff anxiety. And within the past two years alone, we've had 28% of people have been laid off. It's like, yeah, it's a real thing, child. Honestly, y'all know these jobs are closely tied to our stability, which impacts our mental health. Because when we have our coins and our, you know, security, we feel like, okay, yeah. Although the jobs do be dragging mental health too. It's a combo. It's a double-edged sword in this bitch. Girl. <laughs> happy to have it, but not happy to exactly. go. Exactly. Not happy to go. But job insecurity can negatively impact your focus and your motivation. And it can lead to these mental health imbalances like anxiety and depression. Do you have any feelings around being fired or ever being let go? Yes. What was it? How did it affect your self-esteem or your self-worth? I was fired from a job one time and it was a gut punch. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting it. And I've told the story of how I got fired. I had been working at FedEx office for 
five years or six years. That's how I moved to L.A. because I started working there in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And then when I decided I wanted to move to L.A., that was one of the anchors because I was like, I can just transfer my job and right. move there and have my in my stable income. So I came here, I moved here and I had that job. I was working there full time while going to school full time. And a lot of the times I worked on the same days that I had classes. So I worked like the later shift. And so in the evening, it was a little slower. And during that time, I was thinking I was working smarter and not harder and I would be doing my homework. And there's cameras in there, obviously. And my manager saw me doing my homework one too many times. And so I got let go, which is like, fuck. I'm, I'm a, a college girl. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not stealing anything. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, essentially. But I got fired. And the feelings that I felt around getting fired were just so huge because like I'm so used to being able to take care of myself mm -hmm. I'm the only one who I can depend on really to take care of me and that was just my only source of income at the time so I was just shook it's like a rug was pulled from under my feet I was stressed I remember coming home to my apartment and immediately like before I could even process what happened I was on the EDD site I'm like I need something coming in <laughs> right because baby, I don't know where it's coming from. Mm. And I was just like, you know, mentally struggling a little bit during that time. Like I just had so much anxiety around not having a job, mm -hmm. you know, like I need to work. Yeah. So it was a lot for me. I bounced back though. I found a <laughs> um temporary job in the interim, Period. which turned permanent. I remember the one time that I got fired. I was working at Aldo, y'all. And I had gotten this job and something told me to make sure I kept my other retail job because I used to be a retail girl. So I was working part time at one job and then like basically full time hours. They were like both key older positions. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm not leaving my job that I've been at for five years. But I definitely want to get this job because I needed the managerial experience. So I was like locked in at this job. The store manager was not doing what the fuck she needed to do. And I was doing all of her work. Mm -hmm. But I know that I wasn't a fit for their culture. And I think because I pushed back so much on her, she would like not show up. I would end up closing all day when I was supposed to leave. And I feel like I was taking a lot of unnecessary bullshit just to prove like you I can had do this the, job. Right. You had what it took. You know what I mean? But one day, girl, she came in there when I was opening late and had handwritten a, a, a fucking uh, a letter saying that I was being let go in a marker. I don't even know why. <laughs> I was just like. That's weird. Right. She was like, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and let you go. It's not a fit and da 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 da, da. And I was just kind of like, I was already over her bullshit anyway. So I was like, whatever. And she paid me out and it was done, 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 done. But I was still feeling like, bitch, how could you let me go? After I have had all these sacrifices. I've been closing for you and I've been going above and beyond. And, and taking L's, right? And I'm still here and I was just feeling like, girl, fuck you. Fuck you. You don't see my worth. <laughs> yeah. You don't see my fucking worth. And in that moment, I was so happy that I didn't. I had to crawl back to my other gig and let them know, yo, I'm going to be able to come back full time. But mm -hmm. in the moment, I could just remember how I felt like I have really put a lot into being a good little manager. Right. And like trying to transition into this role of like being responsible for this business at, when you're not here. And the bitch just basically slapped me on the ass and sent me out the door. I know. I was like, uh. That getting fired piece, even though I had a part to play with it, definitely right. create it. I have to accept accountability. But 
even like as I've grown older, I think the older that I get, the more that the anxiety and the fear of job insecurity lives in me because it's like, okay, I have big bills now. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, I really need these. I need these coins coming in. That's the reason why I'm happy that we're doing this episode so that I could work through those feelings and not like stay stay in that place of anxiety or insecurity for whatever yeah. reason because it's not healthy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, we just have to be equipped. For what can potentially happen. And honestly, these layoffs have caused us to think about the relationship that we have with our work and who we are separate from what we do for a living. Because like we both mentioned, when you lose your job, it's a huge hit to your identity. Right. It is. And when you're also looking for jobs, it's like, who am I? Like, you know, people sometimes ask you, what do you do as a first question when they meet you? And it's like, hold on. Right, bitch. You don't want to know more what I'm than, like, in. I'm more than that. I'm, I'm much more than that. Yes. I'm much more than that. So today we have someone coming on the show who is going to help us think through all of this. Yes, honey. Phoebe Gavin, y'all, she is a career and leadership coach who has inspired and equipped hundreds of ambitious professionals with the skills and strategies they need to design, build and grow fulfilling, balanced careers. She's going to give us all the tea and it's going to be so good. You're going to love it. But first, y'all know we got to take a little break. So you sit tight. We're coming back with more Black Girl Bravado right after this. Have you ever dreamed of effortlessly conversing in another language? Whether it's for that upcoming international trip, connecting with family and friends, diving deep into a new culture, or simply adding a new skill to your repertoire, learning a new language opens up a world of opportunities. But let's face it, traditional methods like textbooks and classroom learning can be a drag. That's where Rosetta Stone comes in. As the most trusted language learning program for over 30 years, Rosetta Stone offers a revolutionary approach that truly immerses you in the language you want to learn without relying on CDs or DVDs. Picture this, you're effortlessly conversing in Spanish on the streets of Barcelona, ordering tapas like a local, or discussing the latest French designers with Parisians. So sexy, right? With Rosetta Stone's intuitive process, you'll learn naturally starting with words, then phrases, then full sentences. And with over 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish, the possibilities are endless. Rosetta Stone's speech recognition technology, including the True Accent feature, acts like a personal trainer for your accent, providing instant feedback on your pronunciation. Plus, with both desktop and app options available, along with offline lesson downloads and an audio companion, learning for the babe on the go has never been easier. And here's the best part. For a limited time, Rosetta Stone is offering a lifetime membership for 50% off, y'all. That's right, lifetime access to all 25 language courses for half the price. Don't miss out on this amazing deal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, BGB listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com backslash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com backslash today. Hey, bookies, we got something special for you. Are you ready to dive into a celebration of blackness that's as diverse as the experience it represents? 
Well, NPR has got you covered with Black Stories, Black Truths. This is a groundbreaking collection that's more than just a podcast. It's Revelation. What does black representation in media mean to you? Because to me, it's about breaking down stereotypes, challenging biases, and also showcasing the rich tapestry of black experiences. For sure. Absolutely. And Black Stories, Black Truths is the epitome of this celebration. Each episode is a living account of what it truly means to be black today. And it's told from a unique black perspective. And I feel like these aren't just stories, like they're narratives of joy, resilience, empowerment, and also the incredible ability to create world shifting things out of the struggle. Seriously, you'll hear about everything from pop culture icons like Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to discussions on vital topics like reparations, y'all. There's really no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Have you tuned in yet? One of my favorite episodes is the one on how real self-care takes real systemic change. That's a must listen. Yeah, I really think the hosts bring a tone that's celebratory. It's also informative and reflective, which I really can appreciate. Every episode is a journey. It offers a range of emotions and perspectives that keeps you hooked from start to finish. As soon as I turn it on, I'm like, "Mm." and let's not forget Black perspectives haven't always been at the forefront of America's story, but now they are the story. Period. So this is not just a podcast, y'all. It's a collection of some of NPR's best episodes showcasing the brilliance and resilience of the black experience. And we know NPR is known for its commitment to diverse storytelling, but with them presenting black stories, black truths, I would say that this is NPR with the noir twist. (laughs) So what are you waiting for? Turn on NPR today and immerse yourself in a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and black as the incredible country we reflect. And remember, stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, available wherever you get your podcast. Y'all should know by now that we love progression over here. Let's chat about what everyday progress truly means to us, whether it's hitting those small milestones or treating ourselves to a little something something after a month of disciplined budgeting. Progress is all about balance and staying motivated. And speaking of budgeting and reaching financial goals while still enjoying life's little pleasures, have you heard about Chime? Chime's checking account offers some amazing features that can help you along your financial journey. Let me tell you about one feature that really stands out to me. Chimes spot me. We've all been there, right? Dealing with overdraft fees can really throw a wrench in your financial plans. But with Chime, you can overdraft up to $200 with no fees. You heard me right. No fees. It's like having a safety net for those unexpected moments. Y'all, I had a friend who was always getting hit with hefty overdraft fees It was a mess trying to sort it out. How do you really get ahead with that? But with Chime, you can avoid those headaches and get back on track with ease. Plus, Chime isn't just a bank. It's a community. With Boost, you can increase your spot me limit by receiving boosts from your friends. It's like having your financial back covered by your squad. So, if you're ready to take control of your finances and wave goodbye to those pesky monthly fees, open your Chime account today. Just head over to Chime.com slash bravado that's chime.com slash bravado chime feels like progress 
Banking services and debit card provided by the Bank Court Bank, N.A., or Stride Bank, N.A., members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Boosts are available to eligible Chime members enrolled in Spot Me and are subject to monthly limits. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details. Okay, y'all, before we get into this so, so good conversation with Phoebe, we got to gather y'all and get y'all together. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got to make sure things are right at home before we can take y'all outside. Right. You know, you your mind be like, you want to go, your room clean? Did you wash the dishes? Period. That that's, that's what we're going through right now. So first of all, have you left a rating in the review? I don't know if you have now. I don't know if y'all have. This is mandatory. If you want to be here and stay here, you got to do that, sweet. Right. <laughs> you got to do that. This is an energy exchange. Y'all want us to come here every Tuesday, baby. And we be here with bells on. But we need you to do your part. And, and you that know- starts with leaving a rating, making sure you follow the show and hitting the bell so you stay up to date and um in the know with all things Black Girl Bravado. Yes. And Spotify has rolled out this new Q&A feature where every episode they say, did you like the episode? And the girlies have been leaving their words that way. Oh, and I'm just, cute. I just eat it up. I eat it up so much because I love when y'all respond and tell us how much you love the show and enjoyed the episodes. So keep doing that. It makes me smile. Oh, yeah. It makes me smile so much. I love that. Please. Thank you. We also have our Homegirl Hangout membership community. So if you've been around here and you're enjoying the episodes, the content, the conversations we're having on this show, I can guarantee you you're going to fall even deeper in love, dangerously in love with the content that we produce for our membership community. We have our live Bravado bonus episodes that we do every month. We have our check-ins where we let y'all know how we're doing mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. We have our book club. And we, we have, have our affirmations. We have our playlist and our Discord. I really love the Discord. I do too. Um, and chatting with our girls who, you know, they just always have sweet words. And it's become such a safe space for us to just have advice and commune with one another, not just about the episode, but a- about life. Yeah. So if you're looking for like-minded homegirls who you can relate to and grow with and alongside, please join us over at the Homegirl Hangout. It's, it's a stellar thing that we're doing over there. It is. So that information is down in the show notes and you can also find all of this at our website at theblackgirlbravado.com speaking of website I'm just gonna say y'all we revamped the website did a rebrand and it is fucking fire so if you haven't had a chance to check out our new website we would really love for you to just see all the hard work that went into it it's beautiful we're very proud of it and it's really a space for y'all too you know it's a space for us to show the work that we've been doing together as a community Um, so y'all should be proud Y'all should, because I am. You should be proud of the way we're representing. Yes, yes. It's over there. All the goodies for you down in the show notes. Let's get back to the show. We are here with an amazing guest. We have been talking about layoffs, and we thought that we needed a professional to come in here and really talk about this with us, because we want to give you all the ultimate tips and tricks And just insight to navigate just the career space in general, because Mm -hmm. careers are a very important part of our life. So, Phoebe, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, Phoebe, how did you get into career coaching? 
A little bit by accident. So I kind of have to go a little bit far back in my history. I joined the military out of high school because I come from a low-income family. And that was the only way they were going to be able to, I was going to be able to get myself into college. I had a pretty difficult deployment. And so after I transitioned into civilian life, I was struggling a bit. And uh, not a bit, I was struggling a lot. <laughs> and I was supported by a mentor who had a veteran who had been farther along in his transition journey than I had. And if he hadn't really sort of taken me under his wing and in- invested time into me, I definitely wouldn't have been professionally successful. And honestly, I might not even be alive because it was like real, real bad during that chapter of my life. And it really instilled in me the importance of helping others as you grow and that no matter where you are in your career, in your life, in your journey, there are people who want to be where you are that you can help. And so once I got to a place where I found some balance, I was always looking for those opportunities. It just became a part of a, like a personal mission for me. Now, it wasn't until I had gotten quite far into my professional career that I realized that the mentorship and sponsorship that I was so inclined to do just naturally because of that experience was actually coaching and that it was a monetizable skill. It was a monetizable activity. And I started exploring how to monetize that in 2019 and launched my coaching practice officially in 2020. And so uh, kind of always, but also kind of just started. I love that you mentioned showing others how to get to where you are and like your personal mission being one of helping others. And you do that a lot. And we noticed it on your Twitter because you recently hosted a a workshop, how to lay off proof your career, which is amazing. And we are always here for black women who have the tips and the tricks. That is what our show is all about. So what do you feel like is a common hurdle or obstacles that a lot of your clients are experiencing when it comes to layoffs in their careers? Yeah, so that's such a complex one. And I'm going to break it down to basically three things. First is a short-term vision, a short-term timeline in terms of how you're thinking about what's going on in your career, really just thinking about like, are things okay right now? Are things not okay right now? And not having that long-term vision. That's one really big mistake. Another really big mistake is sort of letting your emotions be in the driver's seat. A lot of times we either try to divorce emotions from our professional experience because feelings at work isn't hashtag professional. And that is a fool's errand because work is a human experience and the human experience is an emotional experience. And so work is an emotional experience. And so you're going to have feelings about your career, your identity as a professional, the the colleagues that you're working with, the work that you're doing on a day-to-day basis. You're going to have emotions about that. And letting those emotions be in the driver's seat often keeps us from making the sorts of decisions that are going to be in our long-term interests, that are going to be in the best interest of our future selves. And then the third one is simply not being strategic, letting sort of the, the winds of chance decide what happens in our career, that we take the job that just shows up versus being really thoughtful about where we want our careers to go, really being the captains, being the architects of our careers. And those three things together can come together to really put us in a very vulnerable position where we are afraid to take action to move forward. And even if we weren't afraid, we don't know what action to take. And the actions that we take are based on what opportunities are presented to us versus the opportunities that we choose for ourselves. And that puts people in very vulnerable professional situations. You are right. Even speaking about fear, And being afraid to take action, that was speaking to me. You were speaking to me. You were my coach in that moment (laughs) Um, because I feel like I 
happened to stumble upon the job that I have, the work that I do now, the career that I'm in. And I almost feel like lucky to be here because I didn't choose it. It sort of like just chose me. It fell in my lap. When I'm thinking about what my career pivot could be or like how to change careers, I almost don't want to rock the boat because I'm like, listen, I don't know if there's anything. I know that there's something better out there, but I don't know how I'm going to get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I that's resonating with me. Yeah. Another thing that you said was a strategy, because later in my career, I've realized how important strategy is, because, yes, it has been. a Oh, I'm just stumbling across a job or I'm happy to be here. And I'm not re- I haven't really until recently figured out how to set myself up to actually move forward, because we have to have this agency over our careers because the jobs don't care. They don't care as long as you're there and you're completing your task and you're content with whatever they're deciding to give you. Very rarely are you going to see a job that's strategizing for you. They're strategizing for the good of the business. And that's why I think it's so important that we have people like you, Phoebe, because having that person who can instill these thoughts and ideas into us and kind of help us figure out a path and a trajectory for our careers to go is so very important, especially for black women. When would someone say I should get a career coach? Is it when they're trying to get a promotion? Is it when they're trying to switch career fields or when after you think, the layoff? Yeah. <laughs> when would be the best time? So the ideal time is when things are good, because that mm. is going to be when you are going to have the most room in your life to do that strategic work. But unfortunately, because of that short-term vision that I mentioned before, a lot of times people don't start looking for help until things are pretty bad. And that's also going to be a time when you are the most depleted, when you are the most stressed, when you are the most emotionally elevated version of yourself, and you are going to be you know, in the range of your experience of yourself, that's when you're going to be the least able to make good, thoughtful, intentional decisions about where to move forward. And that's going to be in the range of your own experience where you have the fewest resources to put time and energy and money and emotion into that process. But any time is better than no time because when you bring someone into your experience to help them reflect back what they are seeing to help you see yourself a bit more clearly to help you identify, well, those are, that's a little bit of an assumption that you are making. That's not actually a fact. Oh, I'm hearing some cultural programming that might be influencing that decision-making. Is that really aligned with how you want to move forward? Here are some ideas that I have coming from, you know, the decade of experience that I have and the hundreds of clients that I've seen solve or or work on solving the same problem. Here's some of the things that I've seen work. That is incredibly helpful no matter where you are in your career. But the place where you're going to get the best results the most easily is when things are going well. That Mm -hmm. makes sense. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Pretty, pretty much. Tap in. (laughs) Get it in your toolkit. Speaking about that, the unexpected is real. It can happen. We feel like our jobs are hopefully layoff proof, but a lot of times that's not the case and things happen. And a lot of us are so closely connected and our identity is tied into what it is we do for a living because we do it well. Hopefully, if you're going to a job that you've been going to for a while, you feel good about the work that you do. And, you know, I'm not a shitty employee or whatever it is. And and we become so attached to I do this for a living. I feel good to say that I do this for a living. But how do we manage the feelings of inadequacy, our self-esteem being uh, wrecked when the unexpected happens? 
Yeah, I kind of want to challenge that premise that the reason why we bring our professions into our identities is because we're good at them. Because I think it has more to do with the cultural programming that we receive existing in a capitalist system. It is in the interest of capitalism for us to align our identities with our professions because it increases the likelihood that we will dump all of ourselves into our professions. And so when we do the job and we do it well, and then we take that facet of ourselves, of this is something I do well, and we bring it into our identity, that increases the likelihood that we are going to continue investing resources into doing that job well, regardless of whether doing that job well is in our interests. People tend to have a lot of chapters of their career. I like to call them chapters because in this chapter, doing X job well, it might be in your interest. And then as you transition into a new chapter of your life, doing that might not be in your interest anymore. And just because you do it well doesn't mean that you have to continue doing it. But again, because we are culturally conditioned to adopt our profession as a core part of our identity, sometimes the foundation of our identity, it is difficult for us to walk away from the thing that we do well, the thing that we have a reputation for doing well in the interest of pursuing a new professional identity that is more aligned with the rest of our full self. That is so... You broke that down. You And brought it all around. <laughs> and brought it all around. And you know, because so much of our identity is tied into our work, when we get laid off or lose these jobs, the mental and emotional impact is... Wow. It's like we feel like we lost a part of ourselves. We feel lost. We just feel completely drained. I was speaking with one of my best friends who was laid off. Yeah, last year. And she had been at this company for 10 years and she was a very hard worker. So it wasn't a question of if she was good at her job. It was just like I said, the way that some jobs work when they don't have a need for anymore, when they downsize, when there's an economic impact that they let people go. And she was not expecting this. It was a blow to her. It was a huge blow to her identity and her mental health. And I would ask you, what are the best ways we can handle the emotional toll and the mental toll when we are faced with the layoff? So the number one thing is to allow yourself to have the experience because it is normal and natural and healthy for you to respond to a layoff with like a maximum intensity emotional reaction. And you kind of have to bring it all the way back to the beginning of our species for this to like really, really make sense that like when we were roaming the savanna in, you know, tribal bands, the things that would kill us were hunger, harm and rejection. And we needed to be able to come together as a group. That was our evolutionary advantage, was being able to come together as a group and cooperate so that we could access food and safety. And when we are laid off from a job, that feels like a rejection. And so it immediately triggers that primal instinct of, you know, if I get rejected, that could mean that I die. That could mean that I could die alone, cold in the savannah by myself. And then because our work is tied to our livelihood, then it is a genuine threat to our ability to survive. If we are not bringing money in, that means that we cannot access or that we have less ability to access food and safety and the other things that we need to survive. And so, again, that triggers that very primal instinct of like, I might die. Now, is that actually true that you personally are being rejected, that 
you are now out in the savanna by yourself and might die to starve to death in the cold. No, that's not actually true. But biologically, it makes sense for you to have that intense of a reaction because to your brain, there isn't a difference between getting laid off and being by yourself on the savanna looking at a saber-toothed tiger. They're exactly the same. And so acknowledging that your emotional reaction is normal and that it is okay for you to have that emotional reaction is really, really, really essential. But the second thing that's essential and really requires that first thing is ask for help. Um, When I was laid off January 20th, I got caught up in the layoffs as well. I was working full time at a media company and got laid off from that job. The first thing that I did was ask for help. I told my husband. I texted a bunch of my friends. I texted a bunch of my coworkers who were still at the company. I texted a bunch of um, professional colleagues and said, hey, this just happened. And then ultimately, um, you know, once I kind of got myself together, cried my tears, you know, yelled in, in into the sky, um, you know, I started letting other people know more publicly on social media, on Twitter and on LinkedIn, that I had been uh, affected by the sort of rash of layoffs that were hitting the economy at the time. And so many people reached out to me like, how can I help you? And so those two are the two things that are really, really essential. You need to acknowledge that this emotional reaction is okay. And you need to ask for help because once those people show up, you will be surprised at how many people, including complete strangers, will show up and help you if you give them the opportunity to do so. And that's going to help you first feel a little bit better, recover emotionally, but it also can help you recover professionally. You know, I got plenty of job interviews out of that. I got lots of consulting work out of that. I got lots of coaching clients out of that, that I would not have gotten if I hadn't said, hey, I'm going through something. It's hard. And this is the situation. Yeah. And I think a lot of times that is such a blow to us. It almost feels embarrassing. Like, how could they let me go? There's so many other people here. who, And then we'd start thinking about, I am a hard worker. I've invested so much into this company. There's probably people with less tenure or less, you know, expertise. All of the things start going through our mind. And for those of us or for those who are experiencing layoffs or in between jobs right now, Phoebe, do you have any other advice for rest and getting in tune with themselves during this transitional phase, because it's stressful not having work and then figuring out how you're going to get work after we've, you know, acknowledged and asked for help, which is also very difficult as black women, black people saying, somebody help me, please, because I need it. How do we also, you know, allow ourselves to rest and come back to ourselves in some way? Being in touch with what is restful to you is really helpful. The thing that is sort of the obvious solution for rest, the obvious definition of rest may not be the right one for you. Uh, you know, for me, I was I was very anxious and I was very angry, which are very energetic emotions. And so meditating didn't really, I mean, have a very long practice of meditating that didn't really do it in the moment. Going for a walk didn't really do it. Like I needed to go to the gym and lift. And that was the thing that helped me find emotional balance and get the energy of being angry and being anxious out of my body so that my mind, there was space in my mind to start thinking about what I wanted to do next. And so really think about like, what are the things that fuel your tank? Is it people? Is it certain kinds of people? Is it creative? Is it certain kinds of activities? Is it physical? Is it watching something? Is it, you know, playing video games? Is it like catching up on Real Housewives? Like what is the thing that fills your tank and give yourself permission to do that? It is really important to sort of 
pay attention to like, am I refueling my tank or am I distracting myself or procrastinating on taking strategic action that's going to move me forward? Because there's sort of the line is kind of blurry of like when I'm resting versus when I'm procrastinating. But you absolutely, it would be better for you to over rest and sort of get into the procrastination zone than to under rest and to burn yourself out on pushing hard to, uh, you know, taking strategic action and doing so less effectively. Yeah. Some of us have an advantage, like if you are laid off, maybe there's like a severance that comes along with that where you can actually utilize the rest. Although I know it takes like a little bit of mental exercise to like, okay, let me utilize this time as best as I can because we're like that survival instinct is still there as well. Like, okay, I do need to make sure I have something else lined up. 90 days, baby. (laughs) But Phoebe, okay, so another thing that we've been noticing is a lot of the the girlies who are in their 20s and 30s, they want to do a career transition. Maybe what they've been doing was just like, okay, this is a job that I got straight out of college. Maybe I'm exploring different interests and now I want to transition into another field. I know at one point, uh, all the girlies wanted to get into tech. It's like, okay, get into tech. All the girls are getting into tech, which is a whole thing in itself. But do you have any surefire strategies for anyone that's looking to transition to a different career field? So surefire is is a hard one too. That's a hard bill to to fill because everyone is so different. Something is motivating you to explore the idea of pivoting and your motivations are probably going to be very different from the next person down the street. And so starting with that is the best place to go. Like, why is this important to you? Is it because you're in a season of your career where you need to prioritize earnings and the current career isn't going to allow you to pursue that the way that you would like? Is it that you have had a life transition and you need something different. You need work to show up differently in your life than it currently is. Is it that you're bored and you're not fulfilled by the work? Like, what is the reason? What is the motivation? There is no wrong answer. It's fine to just like want that money. It's fine to want to have a bigger impact. All of those things are fine, but you need to know what it is for you and then honor that and spend some time reflecting on the the career that you've had so far and where you have found meaning. Uh, Where have you found enjoyment? What has been energizing for you versus draining for you? Spend some time reflecting on that. A lot of times when people end up in my virtual office and they have gotten to the point where they are asking for some structured support, it's just been bouncing around in their head for some period of time. And one of the most powerful things that you can do to get clarity on how to move forward is actually get it out of your head and onto paper, whether that's analog or digital, get it out of your head so that you can start to organize the thoughts that are bouncing around. And that's going to help you figure out where you want to go. And then you can work backward from that. And so it's a a career pivot is definitely not a thing that you can do overnight. It's something, at least if you want to do it well, it is something that you have to spend some time really thinking through. But even if you want to do a really, really hard left turn, it's possible if you believe it's possible for you and you're willing to put in the work. Period. Back in the day, we used to just finesse some of the skills on the resume. Like, okay, say for (laughs) instance, if you've been... Um, in customer service and you want to transition to HR because I feel like those are like the harder pivots when it's like I've been doing this customer service position and I want to get into HR and the challenge is like okay I don't have any HR experience I will make those customer service skills sound HR HR related (laughs) I will find a way to be like you know did some whatever I needed to say (laughs) on that resume so it's like helping me out some way somehow 
Well, that's the way it's supposed to go. If you believe that the experience that you have so far sets you up to succeed in another role, why do you believe that? Actually articulate that and then put that into your resume. There's a difference between finessing and like highlighting the transferable skills and lying. <laughs> like you don't want to be like out there telling telling lies. But, you know, if you are in customer service and you are spending all of your time helping people solve problems and you are helping people under very difficult circumstances, sometimes in very terrible moods, solve problems. There's a lot of that happening in HR. (laughs) And so it's not a stretch to finesse the customer service experience and align it with the demands of an HR position. You just have to do the research and, and check in with yourself and then give yourself permission to tell that narrative. I can't tell you how many clients I am working with right now where that is the actual struggle that they have all of the skills they have and the skills are perfectly transferable but they are so caught up in a fear and insecurity that well they're not going to see it that way that they're just not applying to the positions and the work that we end up doing together in coaching is well first how do we craft that narrative so that it is effective and that it's received in the way that you want it to be received and how do we build up your confidence so that you are willing to deliver that narrative in a cover letter in a resume in an interview Yes. I love that. I love that. We got to start using those type of words in our interviews. My transferable skills. Transfer. If that is, you know, creating the story around it. Our producer, she was talking about how it might not look good on the resume, but just get me in the interview and let <laughs> me tell the story. I have an antidote here. <laughs> if I can tell the story, you will like me. Let yeah. me just share who I am. Yeah. And speaking about sharing, we're going to pivot to social media okay. because social media is, we all know, it's a place where we are trying to sell our brands, prove ourselves, tell our stories and come not even it is some convincing, convincing people of buying into that, buying into whatever it is that we do. Right. And we personally struggle with that. We struggle with telling not not necessarily telling the story. We struggle with social media and like presenting ourselves online and having this like buy in. If you don't know if you're not already in, I don't know if you're going to buy it. What it really is, is we struggle with convincing people of our values. Sometimes the platform happens to be social media. Right. But it happens on and off of social media. Yes. So thank you for that. Yeah. For for eloquently bringing that in. So Phoebe, do you have any tips for how we can keep from feeling this constant need to prove ourselves, prove our worth, our value? Well, I want to go back to the language that you used. We struggle to convince people of our value. I think that's what you said. And so what does convince mean and what does struggle mean? Is it that you are having a hard time showing up? Is it that you're showing up and you are providing a narrative that you think is effective and authentic, but is not creating the results that you want? Or is it something else? Because those are two very different problems. One is a confidence problem and one is a narrative problem. You could end up having both if you consider yourself to be struggling in that arena. But the solutions to the confidence problem don't solve the narrative problem. And the solutions to the narrative problem don't solve the confidence problem. And so if it's a confidence problem, then you have to lean on willpower until you have the evidence that you can call back to and say, yes, in this moment, I am anxious about pressing post on this, but I have all of this track record where I've pressed post and good things happened. And so I'm going to press post anyway. You have to get to the point where you have the evidence. And the only way to get the evidence is to do it. And if you have nothing to lean upon, you have to lean on your own willpower and give it a shot. Now, if you are doing it and you're not getting the evidence and you are not getting uh, a response that indicates that you're going in the right direction, then there are two things to look at. What is your definition of success? 
is your definition of success like reasonable and makes sense for where you are in your career or where you are with your relationship with your audience? And if that definition of success is reasonable, but you're not meeting it, are you willing to change? Because sometimes people can get really connected and really bought in and married to the way that they are showing up to the opportunities that they're showing up to. And it's everybody else's fault that they're not getting what they want. There is a possibility that the way that you're showing up could be adjusted in a way that will get better results for you. Or it could be that the results that you are expecting don't make sense for where you are in your journey. If you just started your Instagram account and you have three followers, it is not reasonable for you to expect that your first reel is going to get a million views. We're trying to go viral. (laughs) We're trying to go viral. That makes complete sense. And and you know what? Now that you are providing this amazing career coach insight, another thing, you're our coach today. Right. Thank you. Yes. So... (laughs) We've been podcasting. This is our sixth year. And sometimes we have these internal battles or conversations that I know a lot of us have, whether you're a podcaster or just a working girl, where you feel like I've been putting in all this effort, all this energy, all this time, and I'm just not where I feel like I should be. At the six-year mark, I should for sure be here. At the the six-year mark with my corporate job, I should definitely be in a senior position, and I'm just not there. What are the tips or advice that you would give to some of your clients who feel like they've been putting in all this work? They've been applying to all these jobs. They've been working at this company for so long. They've been podcasting for this long and they're just not where they feel like they should be. So think about the inputs and think about the outputs. What are the inputs? So, you know, in the inputs for your podcast are your ideas, your, you know, production style, the the guests that you're bringing on, how your your digital presence, like those are all inputs. Uh, another input is your audience feedback, you know, what people are saying in the kind of uh, responses that you get in for the social media presence and for the episodes themselves. All of those are inputs. And so, if you look at those inputs, are those inputs where you want them to be? Sometimes it's that we have the work to do. But if the inputs are where they should be, if you feel good about the inputs, look at the outputs. What kinds of results are being driven by those inputs? And are those results reasonable for the inputs? You know, if I try to start a podcast with absolutely no skill whatsoever, it probably would take me six years to get to a point where like my level of polish is close to yours. And so now I don't know what goals you've set for yourself, what internal goals you have for yourself, but it's going to be worthwhile to really think about, do those goals make sense for what I'm putting in? Do I need to change my goals or do I need to change my inputs or do I just need to be patient? Um, This is something that I certainly struggle with in my uh, coaching business as well that, you know, I know I'm a really good coach. I know I can show up and drive incredible results for people, but I still have to be patient and I still have to do the work of attracting people to my coaching brand, helping them understand that I am trustworthy and that I am someone who can be of service to them and going through the process of bringing people into my universe and giving them the results. I have to be patient about that and me believing and, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say me being a really good coach doesn't change the fact that I still have to be patient. And the being impatient doesn't do anything but cause me trouble, cause me internal turmoil. But if we turn that around and make it more of a work-related context where you are in the job and you're working really hard and you're just not getting the results, let's take a look at those inputs, right? I hear very, very frequently people describe themselves as hard workers, Capitalism doesn't care how hard you work. Capitalism cares about what results you drive. And so if you're working really hard 
to drive results that your employer doesn't care about or isn't invested in or isn't prioritizing, then you are not going to elevate in your career the way that you would like to because capitalism wants results, not hard work. And so the question in that situation is to take a step back and say, okay, what are the results that I'm driving? Are those results being seen by the people who need to see them? Because it could be that you are driving amazing results, but they're like over there in the cut and can't nobody see them. We want to make sure that you are both visible and valuable. Then the next thing that we want to think about is if I'm driving results, how aligned are those results with the goals of my team, the goals of my direct supervisor, the goals of my department, the goals of my company? Am I you know, doing a really, really great job driving a bunch of irrelevant results or am I right on track? And if you are over in left field driving irrelevant results, we need to take that hard work and redirect it to where it is going to be recognized, either by working in your current role differently or finding a different role where the results that you are able to drive are recognized and rewarded. Ooh, you ate that up, Phoebe. <laughs> she did. You ate that the fuck up. She did. Because it's the visible and valuable for me. I love that. We love to say, the I work tagline. hard. And it's like you're working hard doing the tasks that people really don't even care about. I mean, they care about them because they need to get done. But it's like it's not really driving the company forward in a sense. So it's like, girl, we don't care. And I think that's great advice even for us. We always we do a lot of like work here. Obviously, it's a two man band, three, three, including, yeah. our, you know. Yeah. Person. But we do so much work and, and a lot of times it feels like, oh, the wheels are spinning, but where are we going? Yeah. And I think it's it would be good to like pull ourselves out of the task and decide is the work that we're doing right now driving the results that we want? I love that advice. Thank you so much. You have been an amazing coach you have. <laughs> for, <laughs> for the day. Yeah. Phoebe, can you let our girls know where they can find you online and what amazing things you have going on? Because the help that you've given us today, I know that there's so much more in there for other girls to gather from. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm on your favorite social media platform as Better With Phoebe. And you can head over to my website at betterwithphoebe.com to register for my email list. That's where I drop the serious knowledge. I'm pretty intermittent on social media, to be honest. And I also have a monthly workshop that is specifically dedicated to layoff proofing your career. And so if that's something you'd like to learn more about, head over to my website. That workshop is free and I do it every month. And so whenever it is that you are listening to this podcast, there is a free workshop for you to learn a bit more about. I love that. A free workshop. What the hell? Who's giving away free things in this economy? I will be there. Yes. And this is like very important with all the layoffs going on. Yes. So I will be in that class and that workshop. Is there anything, Phoebe, of any tips that we didn't mention that you think the girlies need to hear when it comes to their career? Y'all need to stop being scared to network. Oh, there you have it. And I felt like I was going to get that loud. Turn that mic down. I said, oh. And I, Girl. Yes, you're so right. I know one of our homegirls said that one of her goals for the year was to network more. And that is so true. It's not what you know. It's who you know. Yeah. It's not who you know. It's who knows you. Because when you are out here, you can know all the people in the world. But you're not the one with the opportunities. You're the one looking for the opportunities. If people with opportunities know you, then you have all, you know, dozens, hundreds of recruiters out there just out there thinking about you, out there daydreaming about you because you did the work of building strong professional relationships with those folks already. And you can't do that if you're scared, if you're just looking at that LinkedIn like, oh, I don't know. 
Mm. Wow. Girl, you ended it on a high. Yes, you did. <laughs> you ended it on a high. We have one final okay, one more. question for you, Phoebe. So here at the Black Girl Bravado, Bravado is undeniable confidence in your face boldness. And before we let you go, we want to know what has been your biggest moment, your personal biggest moment of Black Girl Bravado to date. Ooh, I'm going to go all the way there. To go date, there, take it there. To date, yes. divorcing to my date. ex-husband. Oh, Ooh. period. Eat him I up. I know that's right. Eat him up. She said, listen, he ain't glass. deserve it. He ain't deserve it. <laughs> listen. You let him go, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. Listen, Phoebe, you stand in your power, queen. <laughs> okay, I see you're a woman who go after what she wants and what she deserves, Phoebe. It has been so good to have you here today. I know our audience is going to find this information invaluable yeah so thank you for spending your time sharing your expertise with us today we appreciate it yeah thank you all for having me and thank you to all of you for listening yes Yes. girl y'all that conversation with phoebe was so filling and insightful we got so much out of it loved it to death but we're going to take a little break and come back with more black girl bravado right after this All right, y'all, we have come to the last segment of the show. It is time to pick up your pen. We're, We're dropping, dropping a gym. So this is a part of the show where we share the content that checked us, maybe wrecked us, inspired us. And if you have something that checked, wrecked, or inspired you, you can share that with us by using the Homegirl hotline. And that information is down in the show notes. But what we want to share with you is a quote. This was shared with us and it was so good that we wanted to come and share it with y'all. This gem comes from Erica Williams Simon, who was the host of the podcast, The Call. And she said this on her Twitter. She says, the best career advice that I can give, don't ever attach yourself to a person, a place, a company, an organization, or a project. Attach yourself to a mission, a calling, a purpose only. That's how you keep your power and your peace. And it's always the combo of power and peace for me. Yeah. And I mean, these are real words because it's so easy to attach ourselves to all these other things and the purpose and mission and the calling be in the background. Listen, Let's bring that to the forefront and see how we feel then. And we'll probably feel better. We will feel better. Oh, this has been so enlightening. I've loved this episode. I've loved this conversation. And I know that this is going to help so many of us. I know this is one of those episodes that will age gracefully. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be able to come back to it and be like, oh, I remember when I needed that. Something in the clip. Listen, so um, y'all take it with you. Share it. Enjoy it. Put it in your group chats. Tell a homegirl to tell a homegirl. And um, we will see you next week. See y'all soon. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.